Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. I'm your host, Greg. This year, of course, we are doing all the hit movies of 2019, and tonight's show is a very special one. It is about Parasite. I'm here with my two best friends, and I'm going to pit them against each other to determine who is the number one best friend. Just in the same way that on this show, we determine what is the number one best movie of the year. First off, it's the plucky challenger, not used to the role. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? I lost on Joker, which I think is a weird Al song. And I think that speaks to how little uh, fanboy, crazy ass asshole I am. You know, I think that if you're going to win that show, you have to be one of those people who think that like Rick and Morty is good. You think losing means you are not an asshole. Exactly, yes. And I think I'm proving that right now with all of my <laughs> evidence. A very strong position to set, to take. Mike, can you refute that in any way? Or you just take uh, this show seriously, and most importantly, Greg's time, your best friend or soon-to-be best friend's time seriously enough to watch the <laughs> shit out of a movie and act like you want it. Wait, did you just refer... The winner of the show is my best friend, as we've established, and you just referred to Ryan, you referred to me as his soon-to-be soon to best, be best friend. Wait, is that yes. what I said? <laughs> Intimating that you are soon to lose I thought I was saying either your best friend or soon to... Hmm. Hmm. I, just, been I think that we're all, we're all falling into our roles where uh, Mike ha- is, you know, downstairs and he's climbing up the stairs and thinking that he can live like this, live like us on the upstairs, but knows that eventually it will be me and Greg forever as always. So you uh, you immediately identify with the upstairs people from this movie. From every movie, of course. <laughs> You're a real Thomas Wayne and real Mr. Park. Is uh, that because you, you so love stairs that anytime you see them, you just instantly run right up them? You know who else was an upstairs person? Anne Frank, okay? so And I think I'm a lot like her as well. <laughs> yeah, I've read You your do diary. hear people making that comparison more and more. Mm. That Ryan is like Anne Frank? Scene that Ryan is like Anne Frank, uh, brave in that way. We have each seen this movie one time before seeing it for this show. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, this might be the first time ever, at least for this season. So we are all re-watching it. My first question is, because I always like to talk about the situations in which we watch these movies, because sometimes they inform you know, why we liked them or didn't like them. So this is each our second time. Was it a different experience for you seeing it again the second time? Definitely, yes. Um, Not in a movie theater. Um, So, you know, you have to fight against all of the phones and distractions. And the other thing I had this time was I watched it with my wife, who had not seen it. So she's been sitting on almost a year (laughs) of fucking nonstop buildup. But again, like, the world did such a good job of just saying, this is the best movie of all time period and then saying literally nothing else about the movie so she still thought it was a horror movie she still thought that it was like you know there was probably aliens somewhere um and then just watching her go through it like get to the first hour and it's just a heist movie what the fuck are we (laughs) watching here um and then at the end of it i'm not gonna say she didn't like it because she told me not to say that (laughs) even though she didn't like it but um I think that with seeing it in theaters when it first came out, it comes with a lot of being in the conversation with the world. And I think without that, you know, I think she's going to go find it now. Mm -hmm. You know, she's going to go seek that out because it's in a lot of ways uh, a movie to talk about as much as it is to watch. Yeah, I I think there's so much to talk about. And it is the most streamed movie on Hulu, which is pretty surprising. So because you normally think people who own Hulu aren't like people who want to read their movies. 
But apparently, yeah, it beat out it beat out the uh, what's his name movie, the Pete Davidson movie oh. as the number one Hulu movie of all time. Well, maybe Hulu just should step up more of their content. But uh, I'm sure I was wondering about that when it said it was the most streamed movie on Hulu. Is that like, <laughs> that feels like Hulu has movies? kind of a pyrrhic victory? <laughs> yeah. That's that's when you put an asterisk at the end of most streamed movie, and then in very tiny letters, but on Hulu. Uh, yeah, I think that the second watch through is so different um, because now you know what's going to happen, so you can be like, are there hints? And and it's just a different. You're looking for different things than letting it wash over you, or even like the. And there's hints for days, right? Yeah, there's the, a million different indications of what's going to happen in this. The movie. foreshadowing is thick in this yeah. movie if you've not exactly it. what's gonna happen but yeah there's definitely you're like oh that means that like it's not well because the the first time you watch the movie every scene it feel the movie feels slightly different and so mm. you're like what the hell is going on what's gonna happen in this movie why does everything feel so tense but i'm not sure like what direction the tension is supposed to be going and then when you see it knowing what happens i feel like everything is written right into it when the the maid is initially fired how hesitant she is to leave mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, okay, now I know. So, like, the I think it really, you the movie unveils itself to you right. when you've I mean, already seen it. The throwaway line of the dad, the the patriarch of the Park family, uh, the throwaway line where he's like, she was a good housekeeper. Bitch, <laughs> yeah, 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 she dude. ate twice <laughs> as much food as a normal person, but whatever, I never looked into that. But that's, so many that line seriously hits different. When they have twists, that's all they have, right? And you're like, I don't I don't need to watch it again because I know this twist, and I don't think knowing this twist makes this movie not need to be watched again. It just changes the experience. In a, a move, I, I, I don't want to be thrown off this show for saying this, and I don't know if this is... Um, at the level of the house as a character in this movie. Hang but on, Ryan. Let me just grab the band hammer real quick. I'm just going to hold this one because you sort of set me up here. So, Okay. I'm going to tread lightly here. Yeah. Anytime I see you touch that hammer, I'm going to yeah. stop talking immediately with no follow-up questions, which is bad podcasting. But it's less about the do the twist get pulled off or is the movie ruined because you know the twist, but the, instead like watching the sort of like symphony of it all coming together throughout and seeing how this instrument or – storyline or theme is played a little bit in this part even though it doesn't seem like it is and that i I think the big difference there is it makes it endlessly rewatchable yes instead of only giving you that one shot the first time you watch Mm it well i simply cannot wait to get into talking about this movie so what we're going to do here is we're going to take a short break and then we're going to jump right into it the winner of the Palme d'Or, four Oscars, including Best Picture, a Golden Globe, and a BAFTA, 2019's Parasite is also the first non-English language film to win the SAG for Best Performance by a Cast. There's really only one award left for Parasite to win before it's officially anointed the 2019 movie of all time. Bong Joon-ho's instant masterpiece tells the story of the Kims, a dirt-poor family who systematically infiltrate a rich family's, the Parks, house— Not to rob it, but to work for them. This scheme launches them and us into a wild late capitalism story that gives whole new ways to think about upstairs, downstairs tales. Taste buds, I ask you this. So let's get to it. Who or what is the parasite? People? I think it's people. (laughs) Like, so in general, just people. Yeah, because like the, the Kim family are parasites. They are leeching off the Park family. And then there's the housekeeper and her husband who have been leeching but then the the park family is leeching off of everybody they can just step on to live this lavish lifestyle 
Yeah, I, like I, I think that this was an oft asked question at the beginning, and now we've had like almost a year of just uh, thinking about and reflecting this movie and watching it now. I think it does change things, and I think you want to think that everybody is equally wrong, equally parasitical, but I do, I do actually do think it is the parks that are the parasites because uh, for two reasons. One, they perform this heist. This like it's it, I mean like an oceans a level oceans eleven level thing where they sneak into this thing so that they can do good work for uh-huh. right. uh, just like normal ass pay they only fuck over the people who are at their level and two this is wait are I you think saying the Kim, so the Kim family are the heisters the Kim family's the heisters yes but they, they go in and then they like they just do a good right. job they're just good at they, their jobs <laughs> they which is really like that that's the ultimate twist of this movie yeah. right is that you watch this I'm like them totally set up this thing and then right when you think they're about to spring the trap you're like wait they're all just going to work every day <laughs> yeah I don't know if the sister is the best art therapist at one point she's like this stupid bitch yeah. she thinks I'm but everybody else okay is, like, that's, a that's a grift that's a grift but probably that, but all art therapy art. is kind exactly. of a grift I think right? that's what the movie is yeah. really saying but you know she's not a good art therapist but she's good at dealing with this monstrous little rich kid because he respects I know her. every every time she's good in the point, room with dude. him he is calm and in her lap and working and she's not treating him like the animal that everybody else mm-hmm. treats him I think the point though where it uh, takes the is this a parasite off the poor people and onto the rich people though is when the housekeeper says I have not been stealing money or I've not been stealing food I have paid for all of my food and I will pay you I will continue to pay you with this thing she's been walking past a full fridge every day to then go buy food with her own money for her husband and there's as far as like the lower level the downstairs people go there's almost no like leeching off of that right i think the fact that she holds up that money and says i pay for my husband's food sort of like decimates that argument yeah i agree i mean she and the the work that these people have done for them is like everything like they have they are completely cleaned up after all labor is like taken Mm -hmm. care of and they just sort of like flit through existence the question to me is almost slightly a tongue-in-cheek it's almost a little bit of of, of a joke because i think that that was the dominant question was like people walked out of the theater and they were like, wait, who is the parasite? Yeah. Isn't that the thrust of the entire movie? Yeah, I guess I didn't even I haven't thought about that question in a year because it's is that interesting? Like, I guess if you go deep enough, like it's capitalism all the way down. I think that's what it's right. Like the system makes everybody leech off of each other. But then if you think about it longer, like, you're, no, it's obviously mostly the rich people. Like, it's so obvious you want to be like, but is it trying to say everybody? And then you watch it like, no, he's really saying it's the rich people. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially when um, that like they don't have the help that they're used to, and that's when it happens. And it's, I don't know if like this is a weird movie to watch in these pandemic times, or every movie is going to be weird to watch in these times. But, but in in real life, what we're seeing is that we're saying that these people are necessary. All these employees that are out there, not just doctors, but uh, people at a grocery store, and we're saying that they are necessary, but we are going to pay them as little as fucking possible so that they can barely make it. In this movie, we watch people um, pay their employees, the, the lower the lower rung, uh, as little as possible. But when they're not there, like, I don't know how to wash dishes. Yeah. Uh, like, all I do is keep putting empty or, like, dirty dishes in a dishwasher, and nothing happens, so I guess I'll load more <laughs> dishes into it. I think that's how it works. They are saying they're leeching off their work by paying them almost nothing, and then... 
you know, saying like, you guys are less than us. You cannot cross this line. But without you, we we do not know how to survive. Yeah, maybe Mr. Park is good at whatever bullshit high end corporate job he has. It seems a little bit like Tom Hanks's job from Big. Yeah, like it seems like he just sits at a table and plays. I with think toys. it was VR. Yeah, you go sit in a glass walled like conference room and you nod a lot. This is work. <laughs> we are working. <Yeah. laughs> Correct. Uh, but like when he's talking to Mr. Kim, he's just talking about his wife, and she's like, "Well, she can't cook. She can't clean." So this is this is a housewife, which is fine. But she also she doesn't cook. She doesn't clean. She doesn't take care of her kids. She one of my favorite moments is when the old housekeeper has to clap in her face to wake her up because yeah. she's out in the lawn because that's all she fucking does. It's like, you are barely a human being. You are a slug of a person. Like, and <laughs> I, like I, I could see that there being an argument that that's how they always were. Mr. and Mrs. Park were always like this. Mm-hmm. But I think that the movie would rather have you think, if I can say that as a claim, that uh, they were just as like industrious and uh, productive as any other human when they were born when they were growing up and then this is what happened is that once you start relying on the lower class you become asleep in the picnic that, that's what it's, i love that as a phrase we're gonna say all the time now asleep, asleep in, in the, the picnic. picnic uh but like that's why i think it could be argued capitalism is the parasite because it turns these productive people into worms like now they just rely so heavily on like all this bullshit lazy mechanics of other people's sweat especially when you think about how who who arcs at the end? Who does uh, Bong Joon-ho like, make learn a lesson at the end? Mm-hmm. And the fact that it really is nobody. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's how you can say that, like, oh, he's putting, a, he's putting like a theory to task. Mm-hmm. He's putting like a system to task and not any one particular person. I think that the first time you see it, the first time I saw it at least, I thought like rich people equal bad. And I kept waiting for the movie to land on that. But watching it the second time, I felt like it is more like the system that gets interrogated because these rich people they're idly bad. At one point, one of the uh, one of the, the Kim family says, "Like, I think the dad says they're really nice," and the mom's like, "They're rich. If you're rich, you get to you can be mm-hmm. nice to people." Right. But at the same time, they seem trapped. They seem like they're stuck. And I wondered, you know, Ryan, as you said, like the system more like that is is pitting them all against each other. Um. One sort of funny thing that has happened since the movie came out is a like a celebrity will watch the movie like you know and they have not seen it before so like eight months later twelve months later they see it and they say they love it and then everybody on Twitter dunks on them uh-huh. because it's like you know if you have fifty million dollars and you say you love this movie maybe you miss the point right but if the point is ultimately that everyone is trapped by this system does that I don't know yeah, sort of like I I do think you can be wealthy and trapped and i do think you can be wealthy and understand this uh but i do i wonder if part of the trick is because like the cams don't see themselves they think they're better than the housekeeper and her husband they're not that downstairs even though they live in a semi-basement i do they think, only live in the semi-basement uh friend of the show they're not full basement dwellers friend of the show tompkins talks about uh the movie brazil a lot he's like okay the whole point is like that guy's special but everybody's that everybody who watches this movie sees himself and that guy we're not all fucking special but i do think everybody who watches this sees themselves lower nobody watches this nobody and is like i'm the park so no everybody <laughs> sees themselves as struggling and doesn't understand I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I do want to like point out a difference between, let's say, rich person, um, super liberal, outspoken liberal, and all-around perfect gentleman Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. and oh. <laughs> then Steve Mnuchin. I feel like yeah. they, although their, um, their, you know, their bank accounts might be similar, 
Uh, that's two very different right. people watching this movie. But Suicide Squad producer Steve Mnuchin at no point is going to say, I loved Parasite. That's the difference. Like, I think if you are that tr- trollish and evil, you're, this movie's going to grate on you. and You're not going to even be able are- to articulate why. Have you seen the motherfucker's face? Are you sure he's not that trollish and no, evil? No, I'm saying he is that trollish and evil, so he won't even watch it, or if he does, he's going to say he didn't like it. Not that I liked it and not get it. I see. The, the, he's going to be like, I like when there was the flood that just kept running down and drowning the poor. Shit rolls that down the That was not, a funny movie. Not enough toilet water. Should have been more toilet water, less clean water. The, the, Meanwhile, this this dude bankrolled Suicide Squad. He doesn't know shit about what no, a good movie is. The, the most opaque celeb take was Neil Brennan, who went off, like, he wasn't like a little dumb and talked about how he loved the movie. He went, no, the poor people are bad in this movie. They take advantage of the rich people. Like that guy is a fucking monster. He's an idiot asshole. (laughs) Well, he, yeah, that tweet sort of went famous because he was talking about how uh, the, I don't know, the metaphors and the analogs don't totally gel. And that at the end of the day, the movie is just saying everything instead of saying one thing or nothing. And he got called out. And I think that it's an interesting opinion but it sort of also showed off that if you say anything remotely negative about the movie, you are going to get fucked. Right. But it's also because he – Twitter's not a place for nuance. Uh, and he did not do a good job at explaining his nuance and then started to scream at people back. And because there's other dumber topics, he just screams at people who disagree with him. I think it just shows he's an idiot asshole. <laughs> he definitely does seem to be an idiot asshole well that is the end of that segment when we come back we are going to do some trivia Trivia. we are back and it is time to do trivia i will read the questions guys say your name to ring in uh i looked up all this information i know what the answers are okay so just trust me you guys these are the correct answers to all of these questions so if we answer something and we get it wrong we should not Throw a tantrum, protest, fill out paperwork, have a fit. Look it try, up. Yeah, try. You, you can fill out. Of course, you can fill out the paperwork. Uh, if these shows sometimes are done under protest, as you know, so there are the channels for that. But I just, I wanted to say, I am infallible and I can do no wrong. Respect. Hosting. <laughs> Respect. All right. Bong Joon Ho first conceived of this story in 2013, but instead of a movie, he thought it would be what? Ryan. Ryan. Rock opera. Not a rock opera, Mike. Mike, comic book. Not a comic book. He thought it was going to be a stage play. I could see that. You could do cool stuff. Yeah, he was like, the the set was going to be the two houses, basically. The small apartment right next to the big mansion. This movie won four Oscars for a point each. Name them. Ryan. Ryan. Best picture. Boom. Mike. Mike. Best foreign film. Best international feature, correct, yes. yeah. Ryan, best Ryan, director? Best director. One Mike. less. Mike. Best screenplay? Best screenplay. Wow, good job, guys. <laughs> That's Dang. the sound of my violin, my confidence. I, it's, it's always nice to show we know something about movies on our <laughs> podcast about movies. That was really this, good. This whole thing is just me and Mike and Greg saying, like, we're going to make this show because the Oscars are stupid and they don't know. In the meantime, we're going to memorize the Oscars and Just learn everything they do. Watch the Oscars constantly. Well, this was one of the times where it felt like the Oscars got it right. Right? Like Th- This is they, – they, they were making amends for Green Book for sure. <laughs> this is the first film since The Departed in 2006 to win the Academy Award for Best Director without being nominated for this other category. Mike. Mike. Best Actor. 
not best actor. Ryan. Ryan. Go for it, big guy. Best cinematography? Best cinematography, darn. Good job, Ryan. Is that a total snub? Mike. Mike. Yes, this movie is so lush. There's so much going on in every shot. Cinematography is fuck. You weigh in on this as well. Do you Uh, think that's a total snub? I think, like, the... Bong Joon's host camera work is always impeccable and always, like, doubles up whatever the script and actors are capable of. Uh-huh. Um, and then we got to look at all this shit. Yeah. Like, there is. I mean, every frame of this movie is not only gorgeous, but also tells the entire story. Yeah. I, I, I was shocked to see this. The Departed is a very simply shot movie. And the cinematography is very small in scale, which works for it. But this movie, the shots are so conspicuous and in your face and big and they feel right. That's a that's a total snub, Mike. You got the point for that because you said it first. You were very brave. Not to mention, I, is is this cinematography? Because I always get confused. But um, how poor people are always close as fuck, and their heads are right next to each other. But rich people are always as far apart from each other. Uh-huh. And how every shot showed that. <laughs> That'd be I for best spacing. Best mise en scene, but mise en scene, mise en scene, mon frère. They are yeah, oh. like constantly packing the Kim family into smaller and smaller spaces, including like that space between the, the toilet and the ceiling. Yeah. And then when you are in the, the park estate, it, it is just noted. Like everything is so wide open. The ceilings lawn for days. Yeah. Ceilings for days. The kitchen is it, huge. In the beginning where their pizza boss mm-hmm. is <laughs> mad at them, but the siblings are like trying to like talk her out of it. They like, they're just kissing her cheek. Like it's just, yeah, we're poor. We're poor. <laughs> You're just on top of each other. Yeah. How many members are in the K-pop band, BT- BTS? Ryan. Ryan. Five. Not five, Mike. Uh, Mike, 17. Not 17. It's seven. Is that too many? Isn't that too many people in a boy band? Ryan. Mike. Ryan. Yes, I think six at most. Five is perfect. I, I would say five is where you're pushing it. Yeah, but five is seven? the max amount of archetypes. So what, there's two old guys in BTS? Well, what's yeah. there? <laughs> Once you have to start doubling up on our times, once you have to have two fat guys, like yeah. that is too much. K-pop, are we feeling it? Mike. Ryan. Mike. Yes. Have you heard Blackpink? That shit slaps. Ryan, I'm going to give you a chance to weigh in on this. It's, it's, it's yet another one of those things that got famous before I gave the okay. Like, uh-huh. it already blew up, <laughs> and I, I didn't feel it coming up. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say no. I'm not, No. I'm going to give no one the point there. Ryan, you are closest to being right. No one in this podcast can claim that we are into K-pop. Maybe Taylor, if, if Taylor were on the podcast, but he refuses to be. I truly love be. the band Blackpink. I, but nobody, Mike included, likes K-pop and <laughs> on this podcast. But I, I have, we, we wish it no ill will. We're just, just not our stuff. It's I did watch nemesis. a video, like a behind-the-scenes video of the band that sort of drew me in. It's one of the best BTS, BTS things I have seen. <laughs> hmm. I don't know about that one, big guy. I'd give him what, a point. <laughs> what is notable about the Parks Mansion? Mike. Mike. That shit's big. That shit is big, as we pointed out, but no, oh. it was designed by the director. Oh. He, he actually oh. designed that house. You don't, uh, don't take all the skills, man. Leave some yeah. for the rest of us. See, what, what I was going to say is that should be an Oscar then. He should have got a fifth Oscar for designing that house. Best for set architect. design? What else was specifically constructed for this movie? The house that that house was also it was designed by him and then specifically built as a set for the movie. What else was specifically constructed as a set for the movie? Ryan. Ryan. I know that the the flood 
of their neighborhood was like in a giant water tank. Basically, I, their whole neighborhood was built into a big water tank to do that flood. That yeah, is I saw, so dope. I saw pictures of that totally like real uh, like street in Korea where like I just I thought that it was just shot on location yeah. and it's just in a big water tank and they could just like move it up and down whenever they wanted. They should add that on the Universal tour. <laughs> <laughs> what did experts say when shown the initial plans for the park's mansion that the director of the film designed himself and they showed it to an architect? What did the architect say about the design for the house? Mike. Mike. This is a stupid fucking house. Nobody would live here. He said, this is a really stupid design for a house. They would never have a house like this. I mean, there's one angle when we first go there that it it looks like any suburban house where it's just like steps into a gate. And then if you're in the living room and look out the window, there is a forest. Uh You're just being a forest. (laughs) Just being a forest. What was the name of the company that the the dad of the parks worked for ryan ryan tech inc not tech inc it was another brick the wall do we guys the wall pink Are we floyd feeling the wall very good mike pink floyd dark side of the moon baby <laughs> well this was the wall that's something different but yes pink oh. floyd very jim good. morrison is there anybody in there what <laughs> It, that's that is the wall. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give you another point because you're you showing. Can't eat your pudding before you finish your soup. Okay, stop trying to go to the well. <laughs> what is unusual? Pink the well. <laughs> what is unusual about the name of the dish, Ramdom? Ryan. Ryan. It starts like ram top ram in, but it goes dawn right at the end. That is partially correct, Mike. Do you want to say something that's even more correct yeah, than that? It does feel a little Ramdom. Like it's like they made it up at the end. Uh, the it had to be made up. A lot of there's a lot of ways in which this movie was not just translated but like localized. And that's the that dish is actually called chapaguri in Korea. It's like a noodle dish, but because people in America aren't familiar with it, they made up the name of like ramen and udon, ramdon, and just made it for that movie. But it's not really something that like ever existed before it. You can see the noodles and meat. I would be like, "What is that? I don't get what, what is they're she eating." If they about? just said the real thing, I, I, man, so they confused. know we're fucking idiots. What are they eating? What is notable about the song played over the ending credits? Mike, Mike, Will Smith rapped it. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is not officially correct. I can't give you a point for that, but it feels like spiritually that is a really solid answer. It was written. By the director who Fuck also designed that on, house. Come on, dude. <laughs> People are out of work. They need jobs. He's, he's the a... fucking parasite. Yeah, dude, he's a parasite. <laughs> what song? Okay, this song contains a reference to 546 years. Why? Ryan. Ryan. That is how long that uh, South Korea has been in existence. That you were. You're steaming right along. I thought you were going to get it. I was so excited. Mike, do you have any guess? Mike, that Mike. is how long <laughs> capitalism has Do it been in, in my existence. voice. <laughs> it is a reference to the end of the movie, which we're going to talk about later, when the kid is saying, like, I'm going to work and bu- like earn enough money to buy the house. Uh, he, The director, uh, Bong Joon-ho, did the math to figure out probably like how much that kid makes a year and how oh, long man. it would take. And if he really wanted to buy the house, 
it would take him earning money for 546 years. We'll get into that. What word means to kill one's father? Mike. Mike. Patricide. Patricide. Very good. I almost gave the point to Ryan. (laughs) Because he doesn't want to kill his father? Characters are shown doing what 14 times in an apparent allusion to Hitchcock. Mike being a silhouette. Mike, no, they are shown. <laughs> Wait, observe- hold on. <laughs> uh, watching someone through a window. Watching through someone through a window. Very good, Ryan. <laughs> that is cheating as fuck. Ryan able to get that one all on his own without any clue. <laughs> when it premiered on Hulu, the movie did boffo streaming, despite some viewers complaining about what. Mike. Ryan. Ryan. I know what I complained about. Which uh, was? Subtitles were on, but the subtitles were already embedded into the movie, so I had English and Spanish subtitles the entire time. Okay, that same thing happened to me. I I was wondering how... Okay, this was, for some of us, that's what we got. We got that same thing, Ryan. Uh, it, it was related to the subtitles. Mike, do you want to take a stab at what about the subtitles yeah. got people upset? Mike, having to read it all made people People seriously mad. got upset that there were subtitles on this Korean language movie. What was Hulu's response to that? Mike... Like, shove it, idiots. Ryan, do you want to guess? Are they going to seriously come out with a dubbed version? No, they, uh, Hulu was like, um, okay, then you could learn Korean. (laughs) Oh, that's better than shove it, idiots. Hulu is spicy. The companies are going to save us, okay? These brands are out there delivering quality content nonstop. This movie features a lot of stairs. When I was a kid, where did I think stairs came from? Mike. Ryan. Mike. Heaven. Not heaven, Ryan. The Stairmaster. Not the Stairmaster. I thought there was something called the Stair Store, and I asked my mom to go there all the time because when I was a kid, I loved stairs, and I wished that our house had some. That's so crazy because now you hate them. Yeah. Well, now I I like escalators. You found out you can't go to the store. I used to beg my mom to take me to the store to buy stairs. (laughs) I thought you could get your hair cut longer. It's okay. (laughs) When I was a kid, I thought... Uh, people kept growing their whole lives like reptiles do. And so I thought my dad one day was going to get too big to live in our house, and I got sad. (laughs) Too big to live. Too big to live in our house. And uh, he didn't get too tall, but he did, of course, become too obese to leave the house. So I guess Mm -hmm. I was just prescient in that. Because of (laughs) quarantine, what pair of sites do I miss going to the most? Ryan. Ryan. Miss going to. Uh, I am going to say... Uh, bar.com because that's how you would find out about all the bars that you would go. You're, you're like a person who goes to four or five bars a night. And then uh-huh. I, my other one will be Pornhub because it used to make you excited, but now it makes you sad. Mike. <laughs> Wait, Mike. hold on. He didn't say if I was right or not yet. Yeah, I don't want to weigh in until Mike gives. Okay, and? Disneyland and... The place where we all go to play D&D? No, that is not true. I'll give you one point for Disneyland. The other is California Adventure. Oh, come <laughs> on. I, I, I consider that part of the Disneyland family umbrella. I don't think you can say that, that Disneyland and California Adventure are the same place. There's different admission tickets. There's different front <laughs> gates. There are two. That's a pair of sites that's insane. that I miss going to. <laughs> Well, if you are not a Patreon listener, you're going to miss where we're going to right now because we're going to the back room where there is some exclusive Patreon content 
just for Patreon folks. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, wait, if I knew how to get Patreon content, I would certainly be part of your Patreon. So, Mike, tell the people how they can become Patreon members to get to come here behind this velvet curtain. It's very easy. Just go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Pick the $5 a month tier. That's just $5 a month. You won't even fucking, that's like a quarter, less than a quarter a day. I'm not good at math. Uh, pick it and get all kind of extra content. Patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. We're I not the it, parks. I bet it's definitely less than a quarter of a day. Yeah, I don't like care. A day. I don't care to think about that anymore, though. When we come back, just us and the Patreon people with our arms around each other like it used to be okay to do in the old days. And we're back. Gentlemen, the ending was frustrating for a lot of people, forcing them to think it was a mediocre movie. Are those people idiots? The first time I watched it, I was sort of like, I, I, it's confusing. The second time I watched it, two things. One, it's all fucking spelled out. It's all there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Two, I sort of, I, with stuff like this, I go back to uh, the great American philosopher Wayne Campbell, uh-huh. who once said uh, Led Zeppelin didn't write songs that everybody liked. They left that to the Bee Gees. Did you... <laughs> Did you want this to be a Bee Gees movie? Like, what What uh, in the rest of this movie made you think that, like, this would just be simple and easy and exactly what you wanted? I assume it would be at least BG-13 because of the sex scene. Everybody. Okay, not to get all postmodern, but when I say the end of the movie, what do you guys, like, what does that mean to you? Because we ask this question a lot about the endings of movies, and I find myself often wondering, like, what period of the movie do you guys think of when I ask you about the end? And when you said that in, in relation to it, it frustrated people, and I hadn't heard that, I assume it's the, like, the long denouement of the son's narration, but it kind of, mm. the two POVs we suddenly get are between the son and the dad. Everybody else kind of goes away, and uh-huh. some die uh but like it has not been a pov movie the whole time and then it becomes the son talking but showing so much of the dad you're like wait is this the dad imagining it is that the son imagining it? is the dad imagining the son imagining it uh and because it's but, the first time we get narration i i guess i could see people getting jarred by that but i mean like this is kevin's movie for like the first 40 minutes mm-hmm. and then it becomes sort of an ensemble and then it returns to i think only kevin like i think that we realize that Whatever the dad is doing, the dad is probably not actually doing. I think this is now Kevin's movie. That it's all a, it's all a dream. Uh, and there's a couple things going on. One, Kevin got hit by a rock twice a in the head. A couple times. Yeah, dude. So, like, if, if we're not clear on what an unreliable narrator means, do you think that two hits in the head with a rock might do that? I would love just a scene of anything that has an unreliable unreliable narrator. Just to quickly show, even if it's pre-credits, that character gets hit in the head twice and you're like, okay, I know not to trust them. Now I know all they're those, not reliable. All those fucking novels I read in college and didn't realize until my professor told me that it was an unreliable narrator. If On the first page, it was just like, hey, I got hit in the head with a rock twice. Oh shit, so. not going to trust the things you say. Did you see <laughs> yeah. that the, that double rock hit gave Kevin the true syndrome Joaquin Phoenix pretended to have all of Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. No, yeah, I was, I was very much thinking of the Joker when he woke up and then he suddenly started laughing uncontrollably at different times. I think is an interesting move because I I do think that it's like Kevin is now what we should have been the entire time, right? Like we uh, should not be taking these classes seriously, but like we should look at two people who think of themselves differently 
and laugh at that. Like, why uh-huh. would they think that? This person's a doctor. This person's a detective. Uh, they Neither one of them looks like they should have that job. And then outside, this person's poor. And then upstairs, this person's rich. And we think of them differently. We should laugh at that. Mm-hmm. The other thing, I think that the, the biggest swing, I think that the awesome move is uh, playing with this word fantasy. Mm-hmm. It, this is all Kevin's fantasy. This is, now becomes a fantasy movie. And the fantasy isn't just like, oh, he's dreaming. But it's the fact that he thought that he could buy the house. Right. You yeah, know? that's and the it all crashes together. Years. Yeah, it all crashes together as if uh, he thinks that he could ever get to this point. Because he says in his narration, I'm going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And uh-huh. I'm going to go and do this. And that's what we all think when we're his age. And it's not just his age. It is like when you're laid up in the hospital because you got hit in the head twice, uh, just staring out the window. These are the daydreams. Nobody daydreams that everything is good right away because you want your daydreams to be a little realistic. So you're yeah. like, okay, I'm going to go through the steps. Years go by. I look very nice in this suit. I have a wife we won't hear from. There's a realtor who respects me. <laughs> changed, I, I, I changed my hairdo because if time's going to pass, you have to change your hair. Because time has passed. I wear an overcoat. What I think is interesting about this movie is when the like sort of poor people are feuding throughout the entire movie, I saw that through the very Marxist lens of like, okay, these people haven't achieved class consciousness yet. And then in the moment where the father sees where Mr. Kim sees Mr. Park, like in the middle of all this terrible stuff going on, react so horribly to the mildewy smell of the basement dweller um, that he does achieve in that moment class consciousness. Yeah. And he realizes that it's the oppressors that, you know, that the rich are the oppressors and they have, they have to be taken down. So it's a little it was a little surprising to me that the end of the movie really is that this has not been his son has not captured this message though his son still sees that the way out of the system is through the system even though the crushing reality of that is that that means that there's no hope at all for kevin there's no way forward for Mm -hmm. kevin because he hasn't learned the message of the movie but the way i took that is that if you're gonna keep thinking that you must have been hit in the head twice with a rock yeah you must otherwise what the fuck are you thinking you're 20 that's what like you're 22 like but see he's been way savvier the entire it i think more the rock thing because he's been way savvier this entire movie he doesn't uh, it feels like the entire but there's movie, a difference he knows between that you being have to savvy and getting one over on all those guys and i can change the system i think that's such a giant thing that like we are bred and born to believe in the system so his dad the stuff he went through and watched his daughter die all that like finally broke him from that thinking and he's had decades to of this shit i just don't think a 24 year old could go through that and then speaking of savvy like this tr- this guy truly believes that he is going to marry this girl mm-hmm. and be a part of this world and the rest of his family like sort of have this middle ground of you're a fucking idiot right. but also Wouldn't it might happen great? and now we can finally get up to that's not right. gonna happen they're never gonna let her marry him and they're talking about hiring actors so they're, they're savvy <laughs> slash not right savvy and naive because there's certain things that you just can't let yourself think because the reality of the world is so actually crushingly depressing yeah and i get but so then if we're left with kevin as the main character then we have a main character who doesn't change and doesn't learn anything right in the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie kevin is idealistic he says once we're done conning these people for a little bit i really am going to go to that university mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, he misses the message, probably because he's too busy being passed out and he gets hit in the head twice with what they call a scholar stone. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, and so then he he doesn't ultimately learn the lesson. So in the end of the movie, doesn't it? Isn't it kind of like a lot of sound and fury at depressingly signifying kind of nothing no. for all the people involved? Wouldn't it be more bunk after watching this movie with this message from this director? If he was like, and you can 
learn your lesson. I think that the I think See, the no arc is the point. What I thought was going to happen the basically the whole second half of the movie the first time I saw it uh, is I thought that they were going to realize wait the we got to kill the the people that like live in this house and that that's the way forward. That right. the way forward is through some sort of like revolt type action. Mm, very and, for vendetta. Yeah, and maybe ultimately what is that maybe that's not ultimately true because what happens is culture and society do such a good job taking out revolutionary instinct mm-hmm. that even if it exists for one moment it's more of a personal yeah. attack than any sort of like class action. Yeah, if they round like rose up and then like organized and started to fight and kill all the rich, I'd be like, "Oh, this movie is dumb." That's the ending people I think that's the ending people want. It, that's a stupid fucking Hollywood ending. And uh-huh. that's what I that's think the if people are frustrated, it's because they didn't get like the, yeah, the good guys won. Cause the good guys don't fucking win. Is, well, I thought the, is I, the poor people rising up and killing all the rich people. Is that like the typical Hollywood ending? I think so. For sure. Yeah. Like even if it's a, based on a true story, they will change <laughs> the ending in order to have that happen. Um, I thought that the, the biggest frustration was that they didn't know what was real mm-hmm. and what was not. And then on they the second loved time, it with inception idiots. Uh, the second time, it's very clear what is real and what is not. Like it is all spelled out for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have to say, people I think get confused when movies try to have something complicated happen. But the very last shot of the movie is a very slow pan down into the semi basement, and Kevin is sitting there looking very forlorn. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he has not purchased this house. <laughs> right. And obviously, if you watch the movie you know that for a fact that it's not that he's going to suddenly work really hard and be able to buy the house before his dad's even like a year older. So I, like it, I don't know. Cause we talked about this with the Joker too. A lot of people were like, when the Joker first came out, people were like, or when Joker first came out, people were like, I was confused by the end of that. How, in what way could you possibly be confused? I was confused by people thought like that was good. The, like the other thing that I think it's commenting too on is that if the lower class is going to do something, then they have to do something. Mm-hmm. And what it's what it what is done here multiple times is all right, fine. I'm gonna get fired up, I'm gonna start a revolution, and I'm gonna gently type in Morse code to uh, hopefully somebody is watching. And I feel like that's typically um like what the lower class does is the quietest signal to nobody listening. Right. And so everyone at every point should have realized that that Morse code was going to be witnessed by no one. If it happened, yeah. if the dad was really doing it, if Kevin was right. imagining that the dad was doing that, and to write a letter that long mm-hmm. <laughs> and just Morse code. Oh, you know what that means? It is time to move to a speed round. What is the purpose of the flood at the end of this movie, or near the end of this movie? The, I, I I would say that like um, acts of God are even in some ways controlled by rich because they can protect themselves from all of it. That that rich house that Bong Joon-ho designed, I guess, um, is fully protected by everything. But at, at, if you ever think that you're on the up and up, then uh, something God will do something that like totally destroys it because you just can never protect yourself enough. Yeah, it's the, the, the mom saying, oh, this was so hard because it rained. But the silver lining of the sky is nice versus the Kim family was covered in literal shit while their entire house was washed away. And they all had to work the next day. And they could have said, no, I can't because of family emergency. But they need that day of work. They need that money. So yeah. shit hits different. 
how many poor people are probably going to get the coronavirus they don't deserve because yeah. as like that's our real life act of God because they can't not go to work right. like without that paycheck what are they going to do yeah and it's you know like um i think there's also the the like e- eco sociological message right that like the environment itself now mm-hmm. is being experienced differently right. by the rich and the poor to Plus, where even in the rich house the kid is like in a tent in right. a toy tent and he can spend the whole night out in the rain in just that toy tent meanwhile a real honest to god house is like being destroyed by that same rainstorm Plus, Mike already said this earlier, but uh, in a movie that is all going upstairs, um, we we actually watch them when they're fleeing from the rich house yeah. to get back to their semi basement. They're going down the entire mm-hmm. time, and it is literal shit rolling downhill. Yeah. Was the original tutor banging both the daughter and the mom in this? <laughs> I think. Because the mom doesn't want to actually be a parent. She doesn't want to parent at all. She admits that Ming wasn't a good tutor because her daughter's grades didn't go up. But her daughter uh-huh. was happy. So now she didn't have to deal with her daughter's whining. So I don't know uh-huh. if he was banging the mom. He was definitely banging the daughter. There's another thing, though, after that when she says, like, and he was he's just fantastic. He was just really <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> you know what? I think Mike got it, though. It's just that uh, by, like, having some sort of rom- romantic attack attachment to the daughter he like kept the daughter quiet Mm -hmm. and so she just loved that about him (laughs) that's what they really want they want people to come into their lives and then just make it so that they don't have to deal with their own kids and he's such an interesting character because the kim family fucking loves him everybody loves this guy so i wonder if he is either a richer class than even the parks and he's just a college kid like there's something special about him as a scholar that makes everybody love him Uh uh-huh uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but what is like this significance of the Kims being so good at their jobs? That uh, I, I think that's where the system is broke, man. It doesn't matter if you're good at the job. Like, that has fucking nothing to do with it. They could apply. You can't really apply for the job because everybody's trying to get the jobs. Skill uh-huh. has nothing to do with it. And because so many people in real life and in this movie, they're like, I'm sure that they found a good job because they're good at what they do. It doesn't matter if you're good at what you do. I think yeah, I think another major uh, line in the movie is when the park wife says, "I don't care about documents." Like, even if you are going to take the time to like forge and make yourself look like you're on my level, I don't care because connections are all that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the only thing that gets you up if you can even get that connection. But yeah, but- like, there's this thing where if you're if everybody's at the base level and the best person at the base level is not going to get the raise or the promotion, it's the person who gets hired in because they're already of a higher class or they know someone else. Kevin describes everything as so metaphorical. Are we supposed to laugh at that or are they really hanging a lantern on how metaphorical the entire movie is? I thought like, I didn't even notice that the first time, but the second time I thought that that was just him making fun of us, like uh, <laughs> frothing at the mouth yeah. to talk about the movie. Yeah, it's, dude, that's how that totally sounds right. Based on like what his personality type is, the director that it's just like a condescending one of us. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Because he knows. I mean, I was going to say this at the top of the show, but this is a movie that it's almost hard to talk about because you feel like you go to say anything about it, and you're kind of outing yourself as more simple than the movie. <laughs> like it's anything you say about the movie, it's like yeah, that's what's in there, <laughs> and it's hard to like. <laughs> I don't know, to say something more original or interesting than what the movie itself is presenting. I also think it's a really good way to make Kevin, like, keep Kevin in his place because he's very good at his job. He's very smart. He should be on the up and up, but he's poor. 
Um, and so we're supposed to like respect him. He's savvy, but when you say shit like that, you're clearly a young dumb yeah, idiot who knows yeah. nothing yeah. about anything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the end of our speed round. We are now going to give out some awards for this excellent movie. Now, as we said earlier, this movie has already won so many of the awards. And I have to say, just based on what we've said on the show today, that perhaps there's going to be a chance that it could win the most coveted of all awards, the movie of the year, movie of the year. (laughs) But we are going... (laughs) We're going to give out some more awards. So, as we always do, let's start off with best pound-for-pound performance of the film. Who's putting the work in in this movie, Mike? I I think – I thought a a lot to – I think they all do a great job, and I wanted to go away from the the answer that feels obvious that people talked about, but it's really hard on even a second viewing. The stuff that Dad does, that Mr. Kim does – He's so fucking strong and subtle most of it. Like he he's subtly wounded. He's very proud, but you can see the pride is like almost an act for his family when they're in their desolate things. Like he seems goofy at first, but it's like all of that is like, yeah, I'm the dumb goofy dad. So we're not all worried about our crushing realities. And there's so many little things he does that lets you know that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you watch so many different emotions like Mm -hmm. flow over his face. You know, you watch him go from humiliated to angry and angry to resigned and resigned to like tragic comic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it just like kind of like breaks across his face. What do you say, Ryan? Who delivers the best pound for pound? Before I watched it again and knowing this award would come up, I really tried to make it Ms. Park. And I think that she does an incredible job of how do they describe her before we meet her? It's like she's simple. Simple. Uh-huh. Yeah. She, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Mr. Kim's Kim. performance is undeniable. Um, the, the amount of times that we watch him react to the smell mm-hmm. is, I think, like, if we didn't have his face in all those parts, then we, we might, uh, like, not be as sympathetic as we were. But the other thing, too, is that the movie does not want to make this a sex thing. It wants to make this a class thing. And the way that he reacts to his wife's belittling is actually pretty impressive because he it's just like yeah we're family you know we just take it like that's how it works uh they make fun of it by him pretending like he's about to beat the shit out of his wife for talking down on him but no we're not going there that's not the route for this movie Mm -hmm. it's class not sex that scene we could do an hour on that scene Yeah, <laughs> when they're all drinking, that, and yeah. was he gonna beat her? Was it all like, oh, I went too far, and they're all drunk and mean, and you're like, what is? Oh, okay, we don't have time. It is simply weird to watch a family get totally drunk together. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't do that. All right, so definitely it's gonna go to Mr. Kim, but it could, as I said earlier, it could go in a lot of ways, right? Like, I mean, the the original uh, nanny, yeah. She does so many different characters and, you know, she has like her work persona, then her dealing with the other workers, but like trying to be respectful to them. And then like, now I've got one over on you. I was so impressed with, with her performance. All right. How about award for cringiest moment? Is there much cringe in this movie, Ryan? I mean, there is one. We've alluded to it earlier. I I cannot believe as little as this movie has been talked about. The amount that we all just kept secret and private that this 25-year-old was fucking this 15-year-old girl. And we just take this, like, we just say, yeah, you know, tutoring. <laughs> Whatever yeah, you happens when tutoring. tutoring. Yeah. Also, uh, 
it's like listen i i'm an english teacher english teacher english tutor <laughs> that is against the code that's against that is also like you are not that's not what you're supposed to do that's bad tutorage when you tutor do you also tell your students that the answers don't matter you just have to dominate the test and get through it as fast as possible while touching their <laughs> arm <laughs> normally i tell them like you want to put a comma here <laughs> that's what so same do. energy i guess uh, I have to agree. It, it's and it's also that he talks about it with his family, and they're all on board. Like, Fuck yeah. yeah, dude, do it. And the 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 portrayal of the actress, like it, she definitely feels very very young, mm-hmm. and it feels like the movie just kind of, I don't know, doesn't engage with it in any way. Um, and maybe because there's nothing to be said there, or I I don't know, but it just it doesn't feel picked up or engaged. She seems like she thinks that she has a ton of agency. Mm-hmm in both situations, the one that we watched and then the one before where we didn't, which makes it even worse because the the gentleman in question are saying like, no, yeah, I mean, she, she says she wants it, so I right. guess I have to do it. But no, you are, I mean, you are victimizing. You are like, you are a predator on a young girl. The only other thing that I thought was cringe was intentionally cringe, which is like the boy being so fascinated with American Indians. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously that's something that the movie is doing. That's not something that just happens. All right. How about director's signature moment? It, I don't know how to encapsulate this in one moment, but it has to be the severe genre shift. Like halfway through, we're in a different kind of movie now, but it still works. Fucking strap in and deal with it. Uh, cause I don't know if I could look at a shot and be like, oh man, that's Bong Joon-ho shot for sure. But he does Mm -hmm. this shit all of the time. Okay, I like it. What do you say, Ryan? Uh, same thing, but I'm going to try to pick a segment here and one-up Mike, which is uh, Scooby-Doo to um, hostage situation mm-hmm. while two people sort of like dry hump on a couch to uh, almost like a football movie trying to get the phone. And yes. I do not know what the fuck we're watching. I don't know when to laugh or where to laugh. Yeah. I'm laughing at all, but I'm not sure when or why. That like... Th- the, the entire movie is this, but like that boom, 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 I think is the best example of it. Well, I have to give you the point, Ryan, for the specifics. Love a specific answer, but I think you guys ultimately said very similar things, right? Like this feel of not being comfortable with whatever the genre is because it feels like it's going to change on you any second. Uh, it is a comedy. It's a tragic comedy, right? So what is the funniest, what's the LOLiest moment in the movie, Ryan? All right, so... If I'm going to take this literally and I'm going to say laugh out loud, which, again, it just has this, like, feeling of comedy without being one. The time I laughed out loud the most is when I, like, it all came together for me is who the parks were. Somebody, the driver, left underwear in the back, and that must mean that he has a problem, and it's probably mental. And then (laughs) we don't hear what the husband whispers to the wife, and, like she always does, she gasps Uh and says, screams, cocaine and meth, as (laughs) if, like... (laughs) He probably just said, like, maybe on drugs, and she was like, cocaine and meth? Because they're completely constructing a narrative here, right? It's like they have one piece of evidence. Somebody else left that underwear there. He had nothing to do with it. But uh, she knows that he's, like, lower class and is probably both on cocaine and meth. And everybody knows that. Yeah, no, you don't do one or the other. If you can do one, you've got to do the other. Even if we're talking about class, those are different class drugs, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's going to be a hyper person. <laughs> going to have a very active evening. You were going to clean and brag how clean your house is at the same time. Later when they're having sex, she's like, give me drugs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, Dang, dude. That's where that story came from. They've clearly talked about this sort of thing before. 
<laughs> what uh, what made you L out L, uh, Mike? Mine was the and talk about you're not sure if you should, but it's when the mom kicks Moon Guang, the old housekeeper, yeah. back down. It's so seamlessly and could be in Dumb and Dumber, but then you're like, oh no, but this is a real person. But like that that first like her, her she's so fucking calm and collected. It's just like no, boo. Uh, That's a nice kick, yeah. dude. She delivers a good kick there. And man, you want to talk about genre switching? Like we just watched some Scooby Doo shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that mom can kick that lady down the stairs, and we just get more. Sco- oh my god, no! She has a concussion and probably died. Like <laughs> there is her so head much hits it hard. Yeah, there is so much emotion packed into that moment that yeah, you do you kind of laugh at, but it's more of like a yelp. I just been like whoa <laughs> when that happened because it all at once you're like that's funny, that's a sweet. I'm a fan of kicks. That's a sweet kick. Uh, but then you're like, as soon as you feel that, you're like, oh, there's. You can't have your hands tied behind your back and then get yeah, kicked downstairs. Cement now, stairs. Greg, it was a sweet kick, but her other foot was planted. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I mean, you're not going to... She can't run by and do a jump kick. It had to be very very casual. That's what I would have done. And keep everything on the tray? <laughs> you're a liar. So I'll give it to the karate kick there. Okay. What is the award for least subtle imagery? Now, I know we love this movie and we only want to say good things, but... I sometimes maybe feel like in some ways it's not super subtle. So what is the way it's the least subtle, Mike? Uh, I'd love to use one example for two awards. Uh, okay. And the one I just said, those basement stairs and the pores just keep knocking each other down them because <laughs> the, the way the system is set up is everybody's like, but the rich guys are great. We should fight the other poor people. And there's a there's a bunch of this throughout it. Like the mom is on the housekeeper's side until she's like, "We're both needy," and she's like, "I'm not fucking needy." Uh, yeah. But all of it is represented in in that kick, and the poor's just keep going. Nope, you belong down there. I'm a little better than you. Instead of fighting the real oppressor. What do you say, Ryan? Yeah, this was a confusing one for me because is it the the most obvious that it's supposed to be imagery, but like now we have to like fight through it, or is it? Oh, I get it. Like you're you're clearly trying to say this, and it's that. I don't think a lot of people notice the stairs on the first time. Like I don't know if they do. I think the one that stands out even more is the Native American stuff. I think it's there's more of a finger pointed to it, and I think it all comes together when um, the husband that has been living downstairs comes out in full on war paint and mm-hmm. attacks yeah. attacks the cake, and now we have to go fight the evil Native American. Uh, and we're doing it. We're doing it. Both of us. We're doing it. High class and low class, trying to fight this person. Um, the Native American stuff was interesting. That's another one we could do another hour on. But I think a little less subtle. Yeah, I, I'm going to give it to that one. That is, it's sort of an unusual moment. He's obviously trying to say something with that, and I thought it was it bordered on cringy. I, I understand he's trying to say like this is the way that cultures are commodified by dominant cultures, but it just. It just felt like in a movie that was mostly doing quiet critiques, that just seemed like a little, I don't know, a little underlined, I guess. And in a movie that was self-proclaimed as the most South Korean movie ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, you the whole Wild West thing is like America's legacy to the rest of the world, though. And so that's just a part of it. Like, you can either align yourself with the, the cowboys or the Native Americans. And this kid felt like, you know, that's that's the way it went for him. What wins the award for the biggest oh no momo? The biggest oh no moment, Ryan. Uh, I think that it's hard. I think there's a couple of things that he does that is straight up pulling from horror movies. This is probably the stuff that people saw in trailers and then thought one thing about the movie. But you will never erase what we eventually found out 
is the husband that comes up the stairs while the little kid is eating his cake. But the yeah. way that we see it is this horrifying, <laughs> wide-eyed, half-a-head ghost. Yes. <laughs> what do you say, Mike? Uh, mine also involves that character, uh, but it's the double scholar's rock to Kevin's head. He does it once, yeah. and then he does it again, and I wanted to vomit. It's You can feel the squish. It's crazy that Kevin is the one who survives and Jessica isn't. It's... Mm. Does that ruin it at all? That that impact of that moment to think that this kid somehow comes back and is—I mean, this guy like winds up and from the as high up as he can, he throws this rock for the second time down on this kid's head. I not that I want to go midsummer on it, but it just feels like your noggin's a little more fragile than that, right? The way that it is midsummer though is that after that first hit, I thought we were fucking done. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought that we would not. <laughs> it would not be my moment if not for the second one. That that was don't do that to people. <laughs> I'm going to give it to that one, though. That is for sure the scariest, oh noiest moment of the entire movie. Well, that is the end of the awards segment, and it means we have come to the end of the show. I am going to tabulate the scores, and when we come back, we'll see who is the winner, who is my best friend, and we'll talk about how this movie is going to do going forward. We are back. I have the final scores. Mike, you scored 20 best friend points. Ryan, you scored 22 best friend points, and you are, once again, best friend. Here is your big, heavy rock. Uh, No, please don't. Wait, how are you going to hand this to me? I'll just go live downstairs. You don't have to handle the rock. (laughs) So you will, once again, have the mantle of best friend. But as this movie is going forward in the bracket, what do we think the chances are? Do we think this has what it takes to take it all down? Yeah, I mean, this is held up as the one time the Oscars got it right, right? Like, uh-huh. best picture. That I, doesn't sound super enthusiastic, I have to say, Mike. No, but no. Like, I, th- I think it definitely goes past the Oscars. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. can't remember the last time a movie was just this anointed. You know, it's mm-hmm. so anointed. From every corner. From, from but, people who do like the Oscars, from people who don't. From every sort of film critic corner. To me, those both sound a little, like faint praise though right like so it, it definitely it locks down the category of it's a 2019 ish movie it, it dominated the conversation so it has that going for it but are we as blown away as like the culture was by it if i can mike if i can speak for you Please. i think that both me and mike seem down not because this was a letdown i think that it is a nearly perfect movie and nearly if perfect it's, whatever it's like lacking in perfection it's like sloppiness makes it more perfect mm-hmm. um it's just that Mike and I love drama. Yeah, I don't want to be like, yeah, no shit, this is going to win everything. <laughs> so we're just like, this is my favorite movie of last year. It's fucking amazing. Uh, okay, well, that's I'm gonna, all the way the other direction. Yeah, I'm going to try to swing who, Koi. I'm going to try to swing Who Framed Roger Rabbit back into this to see if it can win. And we also, we're not done with all the movies. There's yeah. one or two movies left that I think could be challengers. Um, but yeah, I think that like, the, the biggest issue with doing this is that, like, it has to hold up to having watched it recently. Not when you were a kid, like most movie seasons, but right now. And this is just, it's sort of everything that we ever need in a movie. You know, like, it's its very now, it's very timeless. Uh, it's funny, it's anger-inducing. It's every single genre. Yeah. So, like, if you, no matter what type of movie you want to see, there's at least one scene where you're going to get to see a little bit of that. This this For episode me- of Moody could have had three different taste bud segments where Greg you asked three different questions and we would have like easily done that could have had three mm-hmm. episodes for it like that's sort of all we're looking for you know 
Yeah, it's a great conversation piece. It's the kind of movie where after you finish talking about it for two hours, you're like, you feel like you could instantly start talking about it for two hours again. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy to encapsulate. I do have to say, it's a little bit of a handicap that it is there. We still have two other movies, Irishman and Little Women. And I think Little Women is going to give it a legitimate run for its money. Um, and if if that's the very last movie that we watch, sometimes that movie gets a bump. And so I'm going to use that as a segue and scoot on into this next thing, which is, Ryan, you won, so you get to pick what movie we see next. And that it might have an effect on how this season plays out. So what are you thinking? It's Little Women. I'm going to make it You're Little gonna... Women so we can't give it that bump. Yeah. Look, Little Women is, and I'm going to, like... I'm going to stand out of this uh, just for the two of you. Uh, The single, like your favorite thing of all time. You guys love it more than your wives, love it more than like your video games. It's a way in which I love my wife, but continue. Uh, uh, Yeah, I want to see if we can talk about this with a lot of bias, you know, like not there, but also if we can not bring some of that bias into the bracket as well. That might be nice. Well, I bring bias with me everywhere I go because I'm a cishet white middle-aged man. So it just like it proceeds and it follows me in a diaphanous cloud. You struck so then, out on everything on the list, dude. Every <laughs> yeah, single dude, thing. You're the worst. If by striking out, you mean you get every single layer of privilege that can be given to somebody. But people and that's don't the say only... you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, this is the only thing I'm even brave enough to be. <laughs> I could not imagine not having one of my wonderful mech-like layers of privilege that helps me walk through the world because I am such a sensitive, soft boy bitch. But that leads me to what we will be doing next week, which talk is talking about Little Women. I'm very excited for that. I'm glad we got a chance to spend so much time talking about Parasite tonight. Before we go, let it, let's tell the people about a website, a couple of websites maybe. Ryan, take it away. I would love to, Greg. Thank you. Uh, yourpotfilter.com is the website that hosts all of our stuff. Uh, if you are looking for our podcasts, if you're looking for our articles, if you're looking for how to design a fucking kick-ass website, go to yourpotfilter.com and you will see an example. Uh, go to yourpotfilter.com <laughs> slash uh, Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark. And when we are back to liking Amazon, then use that, and uh, every time you buy something from that bookmark, we get a little chunky chunk. Also, a Patreon- little chunky cheese. <laughs> we get one chunky cheese, which we will, uh, I don't know, trade in for gold pieces to, buy, our- goes, yeah. to buy ourselves different types of cheese. Also, patreon.com slash filter is where you can go to support us the best and the easiest and without Amazon. Go there, pick a tier, pay for a tier. We recommend $5.00. Uh, if you do the $5 one, you get so much good stuff that so many people who are poor don't get. Your pot filter, or I'm sorry, patreon.com slash your pot filter. If you like the music associated with this show, it is by an artist named Shady Monk, and we are grateful to be able to bust the tunes of Shady Monk. Look him up on Spotify and Bandcamp or the internet or just stick your head out the window and just yell shady monk and there's a very small chance he'll happen to be walking by and be like hey close that window you jerk mike tell the people about social media social media is how the only way we connect these days because we're all locked in our houses unless we're sticking our heads out windows to yell at internet masked musicians (laughs) hoping that the musician we're talking shit on is that specific musician and then he just yells back at us i'm tame impala oh shit So our specific <laughs> social medias are at Your Pop Filter on Twitter and on Instagram. 
Very good. What else do we have to tell you? Oh, our other podcasts. There is the Superhero Show Show. There is the OCD. And there is the Panel Panel. Check those shows out, you guys. They're very good, and you will enjoy each of them. It is Our podcasts are kind of like the um, things you can order at Taco Bell. It's just like different combinations of the same shit. <laughs> and so, it makes you shit yourself. <laughs> and no one really likes it. It's not good for you, but you still like in a pinch. I don't want a chalupa. I want a double-decker taco. What are you saying there? <laughs> it's three in the morning. You'll like what you get. Also, so, uh, make sure that you go to, is it rateyourpodcast.com? Slash superhero. That's just for superhero. Slash superhero, but I do want you to go because um, I don't know if you guys heard about this. Uh, a new Fiona Apple album came out, yeah, and dude. it thinks that it's the king of reviews. But I want superhero to become the king of reviews. Come I on, listen to the, give us that ten. I listened to the Fiona Apple album. Um, it it was very good. Did you guys listen to it? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I think yeah, it's probably better than our show. Okay, you know what? I'll just stop. <laughs> I was ready to throw my glass at your head, and you're through a computer screen. <laughs> Well, that is it for our show. We will see you next week when we're talking about Little Women. But until then, keep watching them movies.